for the most part, I don't think there's too much that I would change because what I have done over these last three years has brought me to now. And I like where I'm at now. This is Can Do, a podcast that explores the essential lessons for business success. As the world continues to feel the effect of the coronavirus, uncertainty and unpredictability have become the status quo. It has never been more important to learn from entrepreneurs and industry experts about their experiences and to hear their advice. Whether you're a business owner or entrepreneur, your career is affected by the current economic climate. Lessons shared by our guests can help you make informed decisions about your future. I'm your host, Arnie Sherman. The introduction of digital news has forever changed the media landscape. Moreover, the extensive consolidation of newspapers by media conglomerates has made a considerable dent in the number of independently owned quality news sources that cover local people and issues. In 2019, Montana State University graduate Megan Crawford founded Montana Woman Magazine, a bi-monthly publication celebrating the achievements and resilience of women in the state. How do you start a successful magazine in the current journalistic climate? How do you fund independent media? Megan will explain the business side of running our magazine and will tell us what she has learned from covering some of Montana's most innovative female entrepreneurs and creators. Support for this episode of Can Do is provided by the Dennis and Phyllis Washington Foundation, dedicated to investing in people to improve the quality of their lives. Additional support comes from the Greater Montana Foundation, encouraging communication on issues, trends, and values of importance to Montanans. And Parsons, Bailey, and Latimer, a regional law firm with national experience representing the interests of Montana entrepreneurs and businesses. More information at ParsonBailey.com. Welcome to the show today, Megan Crawford. Where are you joining me from? I am up in Columbia Falls, Montana. It's just about 17 miles outside of Glacier National Park. And how, how are things in Columbia Falls these days? Um, it seems pretty same old, same old, just kind of still that sleepy shoulder season between winter and when we have a ton of people coming in for the park. So I think everyone's kind of ramping up for tourist season in the next couple months. But. Terrific. We always look forward to tourists visiting our <laughs> little part of the country. So tell me a little bit about your background, Megan. So I have a degree in film and photography from Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. And I have been a photographer for probably the last 12 years. So that's my main background is in photography. Um, as far as magazines and journalism go, that is pretty fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> I've always had an interest in writing, um, but it really wasn't until the magazine that I did anything with publication. So tell me, what was the impetus for the Montana Woman magazine? Uh, the magazine had been around in the Flathead Valley in Montana for about two decades, and I was asked to take it over. And I did, and pretty much restarted the entire magazine from the ground up, starting in October 2019. So is it in both digital and print? Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So we are a bi-monthly magazine um, and we are in 12 different cities in Montana. Um, and then we also have the online magazine that's available to anyone, anywhere. And we also have a subscriber base. So we are in 36 different states across the country. 
And when you took it over, why were you the right person to do that? Oh, I think it was just kind of like the time and the place, essentially, (laughs) that I had enough of an interest in photography and text and image and had a foundation for graphic design. So there were enough of the tools there to be able to get started into it, but I've definitely learned a lot about design and writing and publishing along the way. So you have that background, but your professional experience has not been in the content area, so to speak. So how do you choose the content for the publication? I basically just go on people who I think are interesting, what I would want to read and go from there. I mean, there's so many incredible women women in Montana that we can work with that sort of the well for content is seemingly endless. And after you publish each of your bi-monthly magazines, do you solicit feedback and, and do you get research from the past readers and figure out, you know, where you're at and where you need to be going? I do hear from readers every now and then. Um, I've definitely heard from people who still have our very first issue from October, 2019 on their coffee tables. So it's definitely the sort of publication that people have held on to and revisit again and again. You know, Megan, much has been written about the decline and disappearance of print media. Is it even possible to publish in print successfully anymore? I definitely had some people give me some interesting looks when I told them that I was going into print publishing. (laughs) It's a little bit of a dying art maybe, but I think when you look at other traditional analog medias, like I collect vinyl, vinyl has been on an upturn for several years. Film companies are making old film stocks again. Polaroid is making film again. There's something with analog that can't be replicated digitally. No matter how good the digital side of it gets, there's something irreplaceable about a magazine that you can hold in your hands. So as people have migrated towards digital, you also provide that availability for readers, but you now have the print component as well. Um, Who's your community? I mean, how do you engage your readers and and how does the magazine get shared? Mm -hmm. So for sure, I mean, our community is basically anyone interested in Montana, any woman in Montana. Um, It's a pretty open-ended, open-platform magazine. Uh, A lot of our new readership has come through social media and people finding us that way. There's also been word of mouth. People have found magazines at like neighborhood kiosks where you can leave a book, take a book. So I've had subscribers and writers come in from things like that sort of out of the blue. I think it just sort of draws in people who are interested in it innately. So does the digital format appeal to different audiences than the print format? Can you tell that? Yeah, I think for the most part, people are more interested in our print format, but there is an ease of use with the digital format. If you just wanna read one article really quick, if you know the feature and you just wanna read that, you can just read it online and hopefully that would bring someone into reading or subscribing to the print magazine. So I think the digital magazine is more of sort of an entry point for a reader. Yeah, my experience has been personally that uh, when I see long form articles digitally, 
I prefer reading them in print. And, and uh, I guess maybe what you're saying is people who get exposed to the mag magazine digitally and start reading the content, maybe migrate towards uh, the print version if they become interested and, uh, you know, end up being a, a long-term uh, subscriber. Mm -hmm, for sure. I think, like you said, it's a lot more comfortable to read an article, anything long form in print, since that's more so what we're used to. And I think it tends to be less overwhelming when it's not on a screen. And then you can see the full layout. You can feel the paper. And our, our magazine covers are always a soft touch mat. And I've had a lot of readers say that they love that, that it's sort of a velvety finish. So it's something, it's a physical print, but it has a presence to it that people really enjoy. In terms of your staff and how you're organized as a, as a magazine business, how many people work for the magazine like full-time? How many people are contributors or contractors? What's uh, looking in the back room of the operation? What does it look like? Um, so I'm in our office right now and it's usually mostly just me. I do have a rotating family of contributing writers. That's usually about 15 people per issue. We have some writers who will send work in for every issue, some people who just send in a poem or a vignette here and there. But for the most part, for editing, design, advertising, all of that is me. So you're a one-woman show in that sense? For the most part, yeah. I mean, absolutely, the magazine would not be able to happen without our contributing writers and artists and photographers. But for getting the magazine from that raw state to a final published form... I'm pretty integral to that. Are the writers and artists and other people paid to participate in this? Right now, um, we don't have that set up. I would love to be at that point, but essentially the magazine is funding itself and that's it. So that brings up the question, you know, again, the challenge of, of setting up an independently owned and locally focused publication. How do you make it profitable? Do you have advertising for it? I mean, what, what's your plan to make this into a sustaining operation? Mm -hmm. So we do have advertisers and that for sure brings in our biggest amount of income. Um, we also have been getting a lot from subscribers and the magazine, if you buy it in person is $5 a copy. So that absolutely helps cover printing costs and things, but anything like getting more advertisers in would assist and getting the magazine to the point where I would be able to pay myself, pay writers and photographers and things like that. So Megan, you're running this, you know, basically as a sole proprietor in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, how did you learn how to do it? What was your model? How did, you know, when you, when you took this over in 2019, what were your first steps? Oh boy. Um, I mean, I went into it incredibly green and kind of just figuring out as I went along what worked and what didn't. Um, initially, the magazine was a monthly magazine and about three issues. And I realized that that was way too much for myself and for my writers and advertisers to go and have the charge of paying for ads every month to come up with new content every single month for 100 pages is a lot. So I switched it to bi-monthly. And then when COVID hit, I switched it from a free magazine to $5 an issue. So it's kind of constantly been morphing and changing as it goes. 
So we've asked this to a lot of uh, our uh, previous guests. Has the pandemic helped or hurt you? Um, initially, it was not easy. Um, I Before the pandemic had probably 50 different distribution points in the state. And when all of those businesses closed, that list went down to zero and I had to rebuild it again from the ground up. Uh, but it did also allow the opportunity to switch to a paid model and have the magazine at $5 a copy, which I think is more than fair when you look at print media that most magazines are at least anywhere from seven, sometimes up to $18, depending on the publication. Um, so it did sort of welcome an opportunity to introduce that to readers. And do you see your readership both digitally and print growing month over month? Yes, for sure. Um, when I took over the magazine, there were subscribers in six states and we're now in 36 states. So it's growing in the state and it's growing out of the state. And I think as people move into Montana and visit Montana more, that just sort of continues to grow as well. Megan, this is a Montana-centric magazine, but you have readership around the country, 36 states. You know, what, what's so appealing about Montana and what are those other readers looking for? I think for a lot of people, their introduction to the magazine is they either have lived in Montana in the past or they visited and saw the magazine at a local spot or they know someone who lives here. So they have that introduction to the magazine from there. And then I think a lot of it, honestly, is word of mouth of them having the magazine out on a coffee table or telling someone else, hey, I think they would be interested in this based on the content, not just that it's Montana, but just what's in the magazine itself. And it's sort of just exponentially grown out from there. I'm speaking with Megan Crawford, founder of Montana Woman Magazine. Support for this episode of Can Do is provided by Montana Rail Link, committed to safely delivering transportation solutions to their customers and partners. Additional support comes from the Greater Montana Foundation, encouraging communication on issues, trends, and values of importance to Montanans. And Parsons, Bailey, and Latimer, a regional law firm with national experience representing the interests of Montana entrepreneurs and businesses. More information at ParsonsBailey.com. So you have a, a stable of contributing writers. Do they come up with who they're going to interview or what the topic of their article is going to be, or is it a joint effort between you and them to try to shape the magazine to a particular theme? I mean, how does that, how does the creative process work for Montana Woman Magazine? Mm -hmm. So I come up with the themes, ideally a year in advance. Sometimes it takes a while to get that going since creativity can be a difficult thing to work out. Mm -hmm. um, but I let the writers know these are the themes, these are the dates, and usually they pretty much just have free reign on what they want to write, who they want to write about. I've had people ask if there's anyone I'm interested in, and I'll kind of let them know a list of names that I would love to have in the magazine. But for the most part, I leave it pretty much up to the writers to write what they want to write about. You mentioned you're in multiple states now, people that are interested in coming to Montana or have a Montana connection. And so they're interested in, in reading about what's happening here. How does that affect the advertisers that you go after? 
I mean, I'm assuming you're the person who is soliciting some of these advertisers or maybe all of the advertisers. How does that affect um, the range of, of who you reach out to? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I do all the advertising as well. <laughs> um, and we've definitely been getting more advertisers who are e-commerce based, um, mainly just because then if it's someone who's out of state, they can still support that business without having to be in Montana physically. So that's been a huge help because I think more advertisers are realizing the potential of print advertising versus digital advertising. Many of our guests are young entrepreneurs like yourself and are following the same course of trial and error and trying to figure out you know, which path to follow. Many of them have had mentors to help them with that process. Do you have a mentor? Um, I would say my biggest mentor would be Christina Z. Anderson. She is an instructor at Montana State University. Um, I took her nonfiction photography class when I was there and that essentially is how I learned Adobe's InDesign program, which is anything for magazine design and layout. So if it weren't for that class, I probably would not be running the magazine. So you have had how many issues now? Uh, We have 17 out. I am working on our 18th, which will be going to the printer next week. What have you learned from the Montana woman entrepreneurs and creators that have been written about in your magazine? What's that experience been like? And what have you learned from? I learned so much from every issue and from every single person who has been in this magazine between from a business standpoint experience that they bring in and just also from a life standpoint of their different life experiences and stories And I think that's the beauty of the magazine is that it's a space where people can connect across towns and counties and states and sort of realize our shared experiences. Does a story particularly stand out or or is there a woman entrepreneur in in these past three years that really pops out to you? Oh man, I'll have to think on that a little bit. Um, It's hard for me to pick favorites because I love every single issue for its own reasons. It's kind of like picking a favorite kid, I guess. (laughs) Um, But I know one feature I loved writing was on um, Monica Jillis Brings Yellow, who is an indigenous artist. She lives in Missoula. I saw her work at an art gallery in Kalispell and immediately I just, I wanted to talk with her and share her work and being able to interview her and chat with her and realize that as artists, we've gone through so many similar creative processes. It's just a really interesting way to humanize people more um, and realize that despite where we live may be different, our backgrounds may be different, but there's so much that we have in common. Even though each issue has a different focus, what is the message you're trying to convey overall? What's your theme? What's your uh, vision? So our main motto that I have on the spine of each issue is we all have a story to tell. So between the features that we interview or writers just sharing incredibly vulnerable and honest pieces, 
it's mainly just giving people the space to share their stories and experiences. Are there things that you won't cover or is there a range of, uh, of topics you uh, are more comfortable with? Um, because obviously there are many, many issues that women confront artistically, creatively, um, you know, uh, in their personal lives, in their careers, all that sort of things. Is there, is there some area that's your sweet spot and some areas you stay away from? I mean, we're a pretty open-ended magazine. Like I said earlier, I really enjoy letting writers write for what they want. I think it makes it easier as a writer and it allows them to excel in their work. Um, I mean, we've talked about mental health. We've brought up domestic violence awareness. I think anything that people should know about, need to know about is more than welcome in the magazine. And since part of the name is Montana Women's Magazine, is there a particular Montana slant to all of this? Or are these stories universal and could be written about almost any American woman? I would say it's pretty universal. I usually say that the magazine is a human interest magazine. Um, I mean, obviously, for a sense of place, there's a lot with Montana. Businesses are in Montana, but for the most part, there are stories and experiences in the magazine that someone in Montana, someone on either coast could relate to. So you are a self-made and self-motivated entrepreneur who's been doing this, you know, for the past three years. Looking back over those three years, what would you have done differently, if anything? Um, for I first of all wouldn't say that I'm self-made. Um, definitely this wouldn't happen without the community of people around me with friends and family, mentorship, writers. It's a whole community that kind of brings this magazine together. And like, yes, I'm running it and I do the design, but if I didn't have the content, there wouldn't be anything for me to design. So it's all super reciprocal. Um, what I've learned in the three years. I think the main thing would just be to trust my gut more often. Um, but for the most part, I don't think there's too much that I would change because what I have done over these last three years has brought me to now. And I like where I'm at now, so. What was the most unexpected thing that happened? I think, I guess just kind of how it's taken off. Um, I've always been more of a behind the scenes person, especially with being a photographer. I like being behind the camera or I'm behind my work and my work is what's out in public and not so much myself. So going into a business that is print publishing, it's incredibly public and you're pretty exposed as far as your work and your writing um, and just kind of putting myself out there surprised me. And then I think the reception that the magazine has had as well across the country has been surprising in a good way. So this next issue that's coming out um, end of April, how many print copies are you publishing? So we do a thousand copies every issue. I started out at a higher number and then realized that that was stretching it a little bit. And when COVID hit, we dropped our print quantity just to keep it more realistic with the distributors that we have, the subscribers that we have. 
so that we're not printing in excess just to make it sound like we're printing some big magazine to try to get more advertisers. I'd rather have an honest quantity and a smaller footprint if I can. So that makes sense. What about the uh, online hits? I mean, do you have uh, any way to track that? Have you been tracking, you know, what your exposure is in the digital world? Um, it definitely varies, especially with being a bi-monthly magazine. You have obviously the month that the issue comes out, it spikes way up, and then the month in between kind of drops down. Um, but numbers-wise, we have more reach with our print media or people buying a physical copy or a physical subscription online and then getting it shipped to them. And, and, and that's the direction that you're more comfortable growing in, in the print area? For sure. I think, I just, I like print. And I think especially as a photographer and someone working with handmade prints, and I also do a lot of fiber arts, a lot of the art that I do is handmade and you can hold it. Um, and I think that's what I love about print media is that it's something that you can hold and interact with. Montana Women Magazine is still in its infancy um, and you need to support yourself in some fashion. How are you doing that? Yes, so I do a lot of freelance graphic design and I think the magazine has helped with that as well with getting people to see my work in the design or see my work in the magazine and then reach out to me about design. Uh, I also... <laughs> I do cross-stitch and embroidery patterns in the magazine. So that's kind of a small side stream of revenue for selling those online. Um, I've taught 19th century photographic printmaking processes. So kind of the processes that started photography. I teach those every now and then. I sell prints and paintings and things locally. I sometimes do metal stamped earrings. <laughs> I just kind of gather what I can to help support myself so that I can continue to make the magazine. So final question for you, Megan. What does the future look like for, for you and for the magazine itself? Where do you see it going? What's your, what's your vision for it? I mean, ideally, it would just keep going and keep growing. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's so many women that I want to have in this magazine, that list will never end. So I could keep printing this indefinitely and never run out of people that I would want to have in the magazine. Um, yeah, I would love for it to get to a point where I could financially support myself and my writers and photographers. So ideally, we will get there sooner rather than later. But I know, especially with print, it's kind of finicky at times. So... Well, Megan, we wish you all the luck in the world, and it's uh, uh, exciting to hear about uh, your commitment and the journey that you've uh, undertaken, and uh, we just wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate your listening to Can Do, produced by Lena Beck in association with Montana Public Radio. For comments, recommendations for future guests, or general information, please go to mtpr.org. There you'll find previous guest contact information and content from all our shows. Listen next time when I'll talk with another insightful guest. I'm Arnie Sherman, wishing you good health and prosperity.